So um, with Stuart, uh, we decided to show you a topic where uh, we're going to deal about multi-omics, because it's a big deal right now. So uh, we went to the public data set and select one that was dealing about what's happening in the heart when uh, you go from birth to 7, 9, 23 days. A lot of change happens. Add you up. Okay. So a quick, quick agenda. We are going to look at these sample to insight. We're going to process, uh, process the data, transcriptome, proteome, metabolome. For the proteome metabolome, it's very simple. You have an Excel spreadsheet for change, IDs, p-values, and you upload. We are going to understand the biology, what's going on in these uh, different omics, and maybe we can uh, put them together to have a better view of the biology. We are going to understand the biology in a larger context and bring some conclusion. So this is all kind of question you can ask for that particular subject. It's important. So just give you a, an idea of what's happening in the heart. So uh, when you are born, your cardiomyocytes can proliferate. And it's good news. It can proliferate for, for seven days. Then after it stops. This is why when you have an infarctus, you can regenerate your heart. It will be very neat if you think in the future that you can add your product and you can regenerate. And if you have an infarctus, you have more cardiomyocytes proliferating. So that's what they were looking at globally. And all these questions could be answers using our omics of IPA technology. And, it, and they are great. So we can ask, what are transcriptional programs that underpins the development of this uh, heart postnatally? What hypothesis can I generate to validate in the lab? Is there anything in the tissue that I can uh, give me a clue of biomarker, maybe uh, an isoform, what we call splicing variant? As Stuart mentioned, we have uh, that 52, 56, depending on the months where you have done the use cases. We're going to take this data and compare them to 52 or 56 comparison expression analysis and get some insight. Then after, we're going to look in the mix of back in the line and says, okay, I have a couple of genes that were interesting. How are they connected to each other? So the sample to side is very important. We can go from these tissue collections, you process them, you have many, many kits, and everybody knows Kaizen as a kit, right? But in fact, we have this tremendous capability to analyze the data, and we can use Omicsoft RS Studio today, and we are going to interpret the data as, as much as we can. We are going to use IPA and Omicsoft Disease Land. So I'm going to pass that because you are very well aware that Stuart has presented. This is the, this is the experiment. So this is a public data set. The GSC number is there. And what they have done, they are look at the development uh, of, of cardiomyocytes in these uh, particular mice, and they have set point P1, P4, P9, P23 post-birth. And this is a little scheme here. They look at the cardiomyocyte regenerative capacity, and you can tell it decreases from day zero to day seven. At that point, you can't reproduce your heart. You can't regenerate your heart. That, that may be a problem. In these guys' uh, studies, they have used all these techniques, RNA-seq, uh, uh, mass spect, and another type of mass spect, to look at transcriptomics, proteomics, and metabolomics. So we thought, hey, that's a good idea. Let's look at this data. Let's reprocess them and see if we can get some new uh, hypothesis, new, new key. 
And we have answered all these different uh, questions using these different tools that you may know now. Upstream analysis, causal network, isoprofiler, the land, and some more, uh, other omics of the data. So this is a little movie. You have a FASTQ file for the transcriptomics for metal data. You send that to RS Studio. Some magic happen. You send your data to IPA. And back in IPA, you can, using analysis match, comparing to these thousands of expression data. So this is the typical um, upload data set. You have um, uh, some kind of an API. You have a ball and call integration. When your data is processed, when your reports are ready, so report as ID, fault change, a p-value, an FDR account, well, you can just have that window. You select which one you want, what is the mapping ID, what is the project name, and you submit. You can even set your cutoff directly in IPA. So this is for, for guys like me that are lazy. You can do that up front. You put an analysis description, and it's done. And in the background, it sends the, these uh, Excel basically Excel spreadsheet to uh, IPA. In IPA, this is what happened. So you are very familiar with that. This is the summary analysis. This is the first page that comes to you. And it's organized in different tabs, as you know. Pathways, upstream analysis, disease and function, and many others, and the match here. So the particular analysis I've decided here, it was at the gene level, because you can do the gene level and the transcript level. I'm going to show you the transcript level later for the isoprofiler. Uh, some kind of for change, uh, uh, an FDR, and minimum counts. And I look at day one, uh, um, uh, everything versus day one. So day 23 versus day one, day nine versus day one, day four, this is one. For the example today, I'm going to select a couple of them. Here, this is day 23 versus day one. So in IPA, you can also put some metadata. You can input some metadata, which is key because you can use these guys here to filter down the road in analysis match as well. And you can put the link and, and get uh, your understanding of what, what are the parameters here. So let's go to the, to the meat. First things, I'm going to look at all comparison, right? Because the game was to look at what's happened from day 23, day 9, day 4 versus day 1. So this is each of these columns respond to what I said. Day 4, day 9, day 23 versus day 1. And this is basically a comparison of the canonical pathways. As Stuart mentioned, just look at the blue, predicted to be decreased, and the orange, predicted to be increased. So now you go dig in the data, and you understand that, well, there's a lot of interesting things that you may know or may not know, but cell cycle is decreased at day 23. Cholesterol synthesis decreased as well. But a couple of pathways are pushed up. Krebs cycle and the cell cycle chain potters increase. So that's what happened at day 23. It starts maybe sometimes day 9. So obviously, that comparison gives you a, an indication of a switch in the energy metabolism and change in the cell cycle. So that's a good point. And we know, we know that uh, the cardiomyocytes arrest their cell cycle progression, and they increase the oxidative phosphorylation. So it's, it's, a, it's a confirmation what you may know. Just for the example, this is the oxidative phosphorylation pathways. Everything in green is downregulated. Everything in red is upregulated. So tremendously across these different complex, you can tell when you have that predicted to be activated, a lot of ATP uh, is going to be produced. Because this is the key, in fact. When you develop your heart, you're going to switch your energy from glycolysis, and I'm going to show that to you, to 
uh, oxidative force reduction to produce ATP because the heart needs a lot of energy. So let's look at the proteomics, same things. I have uploaded this uh, uh, Excel spreadsheet. There's a protein ID. We can uh, look at uh, these different compartments. Same things, day nine, day, uh, day four, day nine, day 23. And I'm looking at what's increased, what's decreased to see if it fits what I've seen in the transcriptomics. So good news, oxidative phosphorylation, fatty acid beta oxidation, which is one of the key uh, metabolism used by the heart now. There's a production of ATP and CO2 and ADH, which is increased. Okay, that's confirmed what's happened. Glycolysis switch and decrease. So no longer we use the glucose from the glycolysis pathways. But there's a couple of interesting things. Isoleucine, valine, leucine, which call the branch chain amino acid degradations that are also key uh, providers of energy as well as the ketone metabolisms. So everything here indicates that we have a switch to glycolysis, to oxidative phosphorylations. We increase fatty uh, acid beta oxidation and these branch chain amino acid degradation. All of that uh, are confirmatory. I am sure I am in the right development, and it's glad that IPA with the proteomics can confirm what's happening in the in, uh, transcriptomics. Okay, now let's look at the transcriptional program. Just an idea, who are the drivers? All of that. So I'm going to use, there's many networks, right? I'm going to use one simple right now. What we call the upstream regulator, it's that regulator sits on the, on the downstream target, and we mandate at least four connections. And they have specific edges like that. We can determine really the directionality. So here, <clears throat> you see basically all the comparison I can brought in. Transcriptomics, proteomics, metabolomics. Don't be surprised. Proteomics, much less IDs as past the cutoff. There was less uh, data. Metabolomics, even less. There were thousands and thousands of metabolites, but we could map a restricting number. Everybody could map only restricting numbers. So we have that. So, okay, what does it tell me? Um, I have this comparison at the transcriptomic level, mRNA level, protein level, metabolism. Okay, I look at that. Soon, uh, um, some kind of similar patterns, and I discover something really interesting. P par gamma. This P par gamma I put in your range. From day 4 to day 23, P par gamma increase as a prediction in transcriptomics, well, it does as well for the one alpha and one beta in the proteomics, and the metabolome tell me the same things as well. So I can't show anymore. The cursor doesn't work. So here, there is a confirmatory idea that the transcriptomic from the messenger RNA to the protein, to the metabolome, it tells us the same story. P par gamma is increased. Good news. Let's give you one example. P par gamma is on the bottom here. And that uh, network is uh, put in a subcellular location way. So there's the uh, plasma membrane, cytoplasm, nucleus. But what you need to keep in mind is what is on the right. This is significant, significant uh, uh, function that I've added using the growth button, right? And when P par gamma is predicted to be activated, what stands up is synthesis of ATP increase. Oxidat oxidation of fatty acid increase, metabolism of reactive oxidative species increase, cardiogenesis, so the development of the embryonic nerve decrease. So now you have an idea of one driver that could be the master of all that changes that you are seeing, and this is at day 23. 
So at DNA23, this P par gamma is prominent. Let's generate an hypothesis. Let's use another network we have, causal network. Causal network is these ones. What do we say here? Causal network, okay. Causal network is basically, in orange, a master regulator. In purple, some other regulators because they work to, uh, uh, connected to each other. And they are tied only by activation and inhibition. So it's very causal. It's very direct. And all of that sits on the target downstream, right? So we are going to generate one hypothesis. And I go back to the transcriptomics to do that. Same comparison, day 4, day 9, day 23. And I point with some arrows things that seem to be key, seems to be uh, testable hypothesis. PTGR2, so prostaglandin receptor 2 and receptor 1, seems to be at day 23 completely decreased. That's our predictions, right? So there's a switch in the usage of these receptors. Maybe key. So I generate one network. This is the one at day 4. At day 4, it was up. PTGR2 is predicted to be increased. And it, it drives, in fact, the regeneration of the heart increase via one of the components, cyclin A2. What you see in the layer in green and red are actually the molecule downstream that are their real pattern of expressions. And I wanted to add something else. I wanted to grow some functions that are prevalent. Mitosis and M phase are up. So it fits exactly the pattern of what's happened at day four in the heart, right? Everything increased. That prostaglandin is predicted to be activated. Well, let's look at day 23, another type of data, right? This one, that prostaglandin receptor is decreased. Regener regeneration of the heart is decreased. Another set of molecules are all down-regulated. And now cell cycle progression, mitosis, segregation chromosome is bringing down. These are hypotheses that you can test in the lab, right? This is no more than an hypothesis. Very sound hypothesis, but everything has to be tested in the lab. So let's go to the metabolics. It must tell us something. So I use the regulator effect. So it's basically, you have your upstream regulator, you have your downstream function, and you have the layer of genes in your data set, and you tie the thing together. So that molecule, that I will not pronounce the name, ICMT, it's very important uh, in, in uh, um, post-modifications of sp specific proteins. That molecule is predicted to be up. And you look at the regulator effects, it increases the consumption of oxygen, respiration mitochondria, production of uh, hydrogen peroxide. And all of that through these different four compounds, oxoglutaric, malic acid, succinate, and pyruvic acid. Great. So now the metabolomes give us an indication of what's happened at day 23 in that heart. That's another hypothesis you can test. So I have decorated that with the corresponding pathways, as you know, as of now, that are pertinent for each of these metabolites. Sirtuin, Krebs cycle, ketolysis, glycolysis. But we have a new features coming up, so I wanted just to give you a preview. Now we are going to have these pathways that you see, ketolysis, Krebs, sirtuin, as node. They are live. So they have... You can click on them, and you are going to see the pathways, and we can have a prediction on this pathway as well. So you can imagine the power of that. So just for an example, in that condition, as CMT is up, 
drive all these different functions through these very uh, four metabolomes. And in fact, sirtuin seems to be down. Just for the sake of it, I show you the sirtuin pathways. You can click on that, and you have the pathways. So now you can tie the pathways, the regulators, the gene downstream, some function. It's, it's a good sense in biology here, right? Let's explore now some splicing variants, what we used to call isoform. If you do that, uh, it's huge. There's huge number, over 2,000, 3,000 almost, 6,000, according to the different comparisons. And at the very specific FDR values, there's a lot of them. Well, we have invented these filters, and I'm going to narrow down specific comparison and say, well, I want these isoforms for a change of 1.5 cutoff. The FDR, we knew it was 0.5. We want them as protein coding. We want to make use of them. If the information is given to me, I need to make use of it, not some pseudogenes. We want to use according to the APRIS, which is a database that look at all the very important splicing variant forms, so the most important, and I want these guys be tied to some proliferation of cardiomyocyte, right? From this huge number, only four genes of 21 have something really important that I was looking for. They have an inverse pattern. At day four, they are upregulated. Then nine of day 23, downregulated. So they are switching their expressions. Maybe it's a key. So what are these genes? So I put them in another slide. This is the scheme. We know they are, as I say, upregulated at day four, right? and at day 9 or day 23 down. Okay, why are they important to me? So this is where the power of knowledge base, you go back and you look at the gene view and you look at findings. Well, it's, in, it's pretty cool because that particular enzyme, in fact, it's necessary during the epicardial development. And guess what? Day 23 is done. We don't need anymore. That controls the cardiomyocytes numbers in heart development. And in fact, it's overexpression, promote the cell cycle expressions, and it's done. So no more cell cycle progression. That guy silence at birth in the mammalian heart, and its constitutive expressions enhance the cardiomyocyte proliferations. It's done. Could not work anymore. And finally, that has been shown to promote, in general, the cardiomyocyte proliferation. We don't need anymore. We are dead 23. It's done. So that's one quick thing with four clicks you can find. So now let's go back to the power of the match. So I'm looking for something that will trigger my attentions. This is the mRNA at day 23 versus day 1. And this is when you tap the tab, analysis match, all of these different colors. So think about it. What is in uh, pink or magenta is predicted to have a pattern similar to your data? What will be blue, it's dissimilar, what we call match or anti-match. And on the left is the p-values. So I'm going to clean that because it's, it's too much to me, and we have a lot of filters. Okay, that's a summary. I said, well, I don't know to what type of uh, comparison I can look for that will make uh, an understanding of what's happened at day 23 in that art. So I say, you have the z-score total, overall z-score. Let's put 60. This is the highest number I can go. What's happened? Well, only one. 
only one analysis with a very distant causal network, canonical pathway, upstream regulator, and disease and process that are matching. One analysis, but it's kind of scary because we're talking about postnatal most heart, and this is a leukemia. Okay. So this is the heat map. In pink, our own data set, and on the right, AML. Okay, there's some kind of matching. What's happened? What is that data set? So this is the power of the metadata. First of all, this is an acute myeloid leukemia. What did they do? They had knockout uh, CARM1. That's the experiment. And this is the particular data set. Okay. What is CARM1? Let's investigate. So I'll go in IPA, knowledge base, and give me a lot of information. Well, it seems to be a very important regulator in embryonic development and cellular differentiation. Point one. Nice. There's a lot of other functions, but what catch my, caught my attention is the last point. In solid tumor, overexpression of that CARM1 correlates with cancer cell proliferation, metastasis, and poor survival outcomes. Just for you, according to RevSeq, I show you the three different splicing variants. So it's a very important gene, and when it's overexpressed, it messes up. You have a bad prognosis and metastasis. What does it have to do with my heart experiment? Well, in that particular data set, they were looking at treating this leukemia cell line with this compound, and what do they found is when you knock on that compound, you impair the cell cycle progression. Ooh. Now, it, it close back to what I know. Induce apoptosis, don't regulate uh, eukaryotic factors. So the hypothesis that I can generate from that analysis matches, well, maybe CARM1 is actually involved in the postnatal mouse heart biology. So let's go back and look if it's true. This is the comparison. So from the same analysis match, but now I develop uniquely the canonical pathways, in the center uniquely the upstream regulator, and on the right uniquely the disease and functions. Same things, right? On the left, this is my heart data set. The right, the AML. There's a lot of matching. It's very cool, right? There's something that is impressive. Well, so let's, let's try to decipher what's happening here. I'm going to select uniquely the upstream regulator, and I'm going to put them on the pathways just by their pattern of predictions. This is what happened. All of these guys you see are red and uh, green are actually, think about orange and blue, but this is for the convenience, right? They are the predictions here. You associate them together and you connect them to one function, cell cycle progressions is decreased. So the prediction pattern that is happening when you compare your R data set with the uh, AML tells me that in my own data set, that day 23, cell cycle progression is done. Like in AML. It's pretty cool. That's the prediction. So now I wanted to see if you look at the real values of CARM1. Maybe CARM1 and all of these guys exist exactly in the data set. Well, it's true. They exist. So CARM1 is actually down-regulated at day 23. And what you see around the network, it's exactly the same transcription factor that I put in a previous slide. But now this is their real values, so I don't lie. And I ask a question, show me what the function is all about. Cell cycle progression, it's a light blue, but it is decreased. So the data at day 23 confirms what I have 
as an hypothesis in the match. And I look at day four now. It's another type of data. Well, in, at day four, CARM1 is actually upregulated and it actually increases the cell cycle progression. So the very simple hypothesis, and obviously I will stop there because I could not validate, is to use CARM1 and to activate CARM1 at day 23 to reinitiate the cell cycle progression in the heart. So if you have a model of mouse or rat that have infarction, uh, myocardial infarction, you may be able to test that kind of hypothesis. That's pretty cool, I, I think. So now we are going to see, and this is the last part, we talk about CARM1, PPAR gamma, and prostaglandin receptors. I, I just wanted to see, using the LAN, in particular GTEx in that case, what will be the expression in, the, in heart versus other type of tissues of these different compounds. And this needs to confirm what I've seen in my data set. And it does, because PPAR gamma is enriched in the heart, and it's actually predicted to be activated at day 23. CARM1 is not enriched in the heart, we know that, and it's downregulated at the way 23. And prostaglandin receptor is not enriched in the heart, and it's predicted to be inhibited at day 23. So just by going to the land and look at GTEx and look at this expression of these genes, you have a, some kind of confirmation of what you have seen in the data set. I think it's pretty cool to have that. But you can push further and say, okay, that's very interesting. I'm, I'm focusing on CARM1 in the heart. That's my hypothesis. What are the other genes that are correlated positively or negatively? So you can use the tool in uh, uh, the LAN, and you can use this dynamic correlation at the transcript level, right? So I give you two examples. So CARM1 uh, is uh, positively correlated with COX5B and inversely correlated with FTX. Why are these guys, and, and that's uh, the prime one, why these uh, um, correlations are important? Because, in fact, COX-5B is the terminal enzyme in the mitochondrial respiratory chains. Good news. And FTX is actually long non-coding RNA in the cardiomyocyte apoptosis, and it's inversely correlated with CARM1 here. So you have two players that you can associate with CARM1 that you can actually test. And finally, I look at another one that was here in the fetal heart, very close, and here it's the postnatal heart. And now you see a positive correlation with laminin A and inverse correlation with TOG1. Laminin A is a part of the scaffolding of the, of the nuclear lamina, which is primordial in the uh, heart tissues, the cell tissues. And TOG1 is as well a long non-coding RNA, and it participates in hypoxia mechanism in myocardial injury involving wind pathways. So there's a very nice way of looking and digging into the land to see how these guys are correlated. Is it, it, does my hypothesis make sense or not? Okay. So my conclusion, very simple. We could detect a pot, uh, potential transcriptional program. We have mentioned a couple of uh, transcription factors. We have looked at one master regulator that seems to be turned down at day 23. Maybe we can look at that. This guy is important because it's involved as well as inflammation. It could be pro or anti-inflammatory, depending on the case. We have identified four isoforms. Maybe we can track them during some uh, development of uh, uh, disease. All of these components are here. We have looked at the common signatures between AML and heart development and points on CARM1. CARM1 could be uh, use as probably reinitiate the cell cycles. And finally, we have looked at the correlation of that CARM1 with very important genes in the myocardial uh, function.
and that's it.